For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he disappeared, that he evaporated, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, another name for Peter, then to the twelve, the technical name of the twelve apostles. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive in Palestine, though some have fallen asleep. They had passed away. Then he appeared to James. This is the half-brother of Jesus. Then to the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me, whether then it was I or they. So we preach, and so you believe. Paul said these words because of a heresy going among them that the dead are not raised, that there simply is no resurrection. This was Greek philosophy. It was a teaching of the Greeks that the body is a prison house and that they would always talk about the immortality of the soul. And that emphasis was this. Your body is this cage and the bird is in it, which is your soul. Because they said the body is evil. Matter is evil. So food is evil. Uh, the physical. We've got to get rid of the physical. And so they said it just perishes it. You go into an endless dark. If you read any of the philosophers, the Greeks, it just you just leap out and you cease to exist. It's all over at death. The thing that goes on, though, is the soul. It's been released. And so they would talk about the immortality of the soul, but never the body. The body ends at the grave. The Jews were in the same persuasion, if you were a Sadducee. Most of Greeks, or rather the uh, Jews, you have the Pharisees. They did believe in angels and a resurrection, but they were in the minority. So the Greek world, the Greco-Roman world, the body ends at the grave. Get rid of it. It's like emptying the trash. You don't need it anymore. It's been a liability. It's the soul that counts. The majority of the Jews, no resurrection. If you talk to Jews today, Orthodox Jews, and talk about their resurrection It'd be very interesting to see the various answers you'll get. And yet, every one of us has to wrestle with this idea of death, mortality. What's the future going to be like after death? Leo Tolstoy said, my question at the age of 50 
brought me to the verge of suicide. I was in despair. And the simple question that was lying in my soul is, what will happen when I die? What will come of what I am doing today or tomorrow? What will become of my whole life? What will it count for? Why should I live? Why should I wish for anything or do anything? It could be expressed this way, Tolstoy said. Is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me will not destroy? Bank accounts, barns, accumulation, relationships, all cease, all end at a grave, and nothing will sober you more than to think about who do I leave what I have to? Tim Keller said, nothing can change the way you focus in life like one word. You have terminal cancer. He was diagnosed with cancer of his thyroid. It was not said to be terminal, and thankfully they got it. But if you want to get sobered up today, let me tell you, you have cancer. And do any of you know that you don't have it? It's in the body. So then you come to face this idea of our own mortality, our own future. And so there's five things that we want to see, five reasons why Christ had to rise again. There's many more, but let me just pick those. The first one was the resurrection of Christ, according to Romans 1.4, says this. He was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ has done what no man in all of history has ever done. We can... Uh, Emulate the cross. We can, there's been many men crucified by the Romans. The Persians crucified people before the Romans. A cruel way of dying, but thousands of men have died upon a tree and died a vicious death. Many have, but none have ever emptied a tomb. None have ever done that. No religious takers, no Mohammedans, uh, no Muslims, no Buddhists, no Shinduists, no New Agers, no philosophers. They all laugh at the idea that it could happen. You see, the resurrection is not denied because there's not enough evidence to say it happened. But the evidence is rejected because in the mind there cannot be a physical resurrection. Give me all the evidence I want. I just don't see it. Show me some more. Show me. I don't see a thing. There's no evidence. There's plenty of evidence. Do you believe any of history? Something that scares us today is all the revisionism of history so that you can revise it and make it say anything you want it to say. 
I, I think of the, uh, the ruler of Iran. He, he put it out and he became famous. There was no Holocaust. That was made up by the Jews. All that 1940s black and white film of Auschwitz and Treblanka and different places in Poland and Germany, Czechoslovakia, that's all made up. All those newsreels was made up by the world. It didn't happen. You don't believe history, you can make up anything. I think of another thing that faces us today. We don't know how to separate fiction from truth. There was a time in English literature that fiction was not written, only history and biography and textbooks for astronomy, math. You didn't write about things that had not happened. Fiction was a new art form. Some people have read so much fiction, they think it's fact. Look at the day. Think of our kids growing up. In Avatar, we've got weird creatures living in trees. And don't mess. They've got some mean chicks in Avatar. <laughs> don't you believe it? We, we got mice talking to us. Well, you know that's true. And, and don't dare touch Mickey. He's made billions of dollars talking. And so he said, that's my world. That's the world I grew up with. Animation. Creation. Sure, we can get someone raised. We got a good graphics department. What about fact? What about actuality? And Jesus Christ, God says, I will declare him to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. So he had to come so that there'd be no mistake. They denied his claims. They kept saying right up to the time they killed him, one more miracle. He said, I'll only give you one more. I'll give you the sign of Jonah, and that is when you thought he was dead for three days, he pops up on the shore of the Mediterranean running to Nineveh. That's the only sign you're going to get. All the other signs you've seen and you've rejected. This sign I won't even let you see. The whole world will not see it. You will not see it. I'll be in hiding for three days in the heart of the earth. But on the third day, death is going to have to spit me up because it can't hold me. I will come out on the third day, just like he said. He had to rise again not to be a liar. He constantly said in his ministry, I... Matthew 16, 21, 17, 23, 20, 17, 26, 12, 26, 28, 28, 31, Mark 9, 30, 14, 28, Luke 9, 22, 18, 31, John 2, 19, John 10. He said, I will rise again. And if he did not rise, he would be seen to be a liar. And as C.S. Lewis said, He's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And the resurrection settled the discussion. He did exactly what he said. He's not a lunatic. He walked out. God said, this is my son. And Christ said, I am the life. 
and death cannot hold me. I said I'd go in. I will come out. And he did it. By the way, you say, well, that's nice. Do you have anybody that saw it? Glad you asked. It's an amazing thing. Critics of the New Testament documents, they cannot believe that Matthew, you know what he did? That was a disastrous report. He recorded that women went to the tomb first. Because in Jewish and Roman courts, the testimony of a woman was not permitted. She was not considered a reliable witness. But Matthew told it like it happened, not like the culture said. Because you remember what he told the woman? Through your seed, a Messiah will come. And through your seed, and the first one to find out, I'm going to have some women at the tomb. And first of all, you had Mary there. Then you had a group of women that was not given their names. They were the first ones to tell us we see an empty tomb. They ran back to the disciples. And let me just give you a list. I know you can't take notes, but I just want you to know I did the homework. Uh, Mary Magdalene first. Some women, Matthew 28. Peter saw it in Luke 24. The disciples on the road to Emmaus saw it in Mark 16. Ten disciples were in the upper room in Mark 16 and saw Christ. Thomas was not there. So the next week, he made another visit. See, you never want to miss meeting with the saints. You don't know what you might miss. Miss one week. I love to tell people that miss. How was it? I can't describe it. Have you ever been in a meeting like that? I can't describe what happened. You had to be there. So Thomas said, I won't believe until I touch the wounds in his hand. Show up. He shows up. He revealed himself to seven disciples on the Sea of Galilee, 500 people at one time, according to 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul said, if you can afford a ticket to Palestine, you can interview most of them. They're alive. They're not all dead witnesses. This is 50 A.D. that he wrote Corinthians. Go to Palestine. 500 people at one time. Do you think they would admit that to a court of evidence? James, the brother of Jesus, he revealed himself to him. Eleven disciples on a mountain in Galilee. He told them, I'll meet you in Galilee. Uh, Stephen, prior to his martyrdom, what an amazing thing. The first time Christ has ever stood up since he seated on the throne was for the first martyr. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I wonder if he stands for all martyrs. Um, Paul on the Damascus Road, Acts 9. Paul in Arabia, Acts 20. Paul in prison in Caesarea, Acts 23. Jesus appears on the Isle of Patmos in 90 AD, and he seemed to be doing well. His voice was as the voice of many waters. His hair was white as wool, and his eyes were on fire, and his feet burned like bronze. This was not a decrepit old man. After 90 years, he was alive and well, saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. He was seen.
he was seen. He's no liar. He appeared to many. Jesus had to rise again in order to resurrect you. A dead Savior can't resurrect you. And he said in John 5, if you'll believe in me, if you'll believe in me, I'll give you eternal life, and besides that, I will resurrect you. Matter of fact, did you know that every human being that's ever lived, even the aborted ones, will be resurrected someday by Christ. He's going to resurrect Hitler. He's going to resurrect Mussolini. He's going to resurrect these ISIS killers and killing Christians down in Libya. He's going to resurrect them. They're going to face Christ someday. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every fetus will someday be resurrected by Christ. He said, may all those who are in the earth, in their graves, you will hear the voice of God and come out. You know, when you read John 5, you say, oh, big deal. What do you mean? That's mythical. That's poetic. That's a little far-fetched. And it's like he says, follow me to John 11. Lazarus, stand up. You've been dead for four days. You begin to stink. The skin worms are decomposing your body. Lazarus, come out of that grave. Read the narrative. He got up, walked out. They had to unwrap all the burial garments that was around him. He said, what I did to Lazarus is what I'm going to do to the whole human race. There's no one that's ever been born that will not be resurrected someday to face Christ. This is the power of a resurrected Christ. Believe in me, and you shall live again. Believe in me, and I shall raise you from the dead. Now, uh, don't, uh, now the Greeks, they can say, well, we could take this, raise my spirit. No, 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 no. Christ, the fourth reason he had to come back was to show us what he meant by resurrection. The Greeks and the Romans said, oh, it's spirit and it's poetic language. And, uh, and Jesus said, no, no, I'm talking about physical resurrection. I will bring the body back. Uh, have you ever asked yourself, where are the bodies that died 2,000 years ago? I just read a National Geographic article that's gross. It's about a habit in Indonesia where they mummify people. Did anyone read that, National Geographic? And they put formaldehyde and water in them. And in this one picture in the uh, magazine shows them feeding a mother that had passed away. She's been dead, I think, at five years, and they, they take her meal every night because they think her spirit could ingest the food. They got pictures of all over. The, they got babies. A baby girl died. looked like she's maybe two or three. They had uh, a beautiful dress on her. They kept her alive in a room where brothers and sisters played in the room, but the corpse is there. I saw another article, I think it was in the same 
uh, National Geographic, where a woman's hanging out by a super refrigerator that's got her husband in it, hoping to see him when he gets thawed out. Died, believes he'll live again, so just got to keep the body from decomposing, put it under severe coldness. And so she's hanging out, and her hope is tied up in that refrigerator because her husband's in it. Where are the bodies of folks that died 2,000 years? What, they have no future? Jesus said, yes, they do. You don't have to be buried in a pyramid to have a future. I someday will speak, and the creator who put every atom together will simply say, rise again. And whether they were consumed by sharks, blown up at Hiroshima, killed in World War II, World War I, bombs, we could never find the corpse. I know this is a little hard. He's going to call all the parts together so that he's going to compose a body that will live eternally either with him or separated from him. We have bodies for eternity. What, uh, what kind of body will it be for believers? The unbeliever will have a real body so that uh, a rich man in hell craved water. That was interesting, Luke 16. He craved water. He could recognize Abraham. He recognized Lazarus, the man that he wouldn't help in this life, a poor man. But he recognized him. The gulf was there. And he could see across. And there's Lazarus. There's Abraham. I'm thirsty. I'm in torment. Please send me a drink. And Abraham said, my son, in this physical life, you never helped Lazarus. But here there's a gulf between us. I can't get across the gulf to give you a drink. You're separated from water for eternity. Water picturing not just physical thirst, but the union and fellowship with God. There'll be none. But we'll have resurrected bodies. Well, what about the saint of God, the child of God, those of you that have received Christ? What will your future body be like? Will you recognize each other? You will. You will recognize each other. You see, uh, Stephen recognized Christ at the right hand of the Father. Luke said that. Uh, they recognized Jesus. After. He can conceal himself, but they're on the Sea of Galilee. When they're out there fishing with their nets, they come. Hey, there's Jesus fixing us breakfast. You'll be able to eat in the brand new body without Weight Watchers. Uh, you, you'll be able to, uh, you know, it's amazing. You're going to kick off eternity with a marriage supper of the Lamb that's going to be a huge feast for all the redeemed. I mean, we're going to start eternity eating. Man, that makes you want to go to heaven. Not really. I'm not that big on eating, but anyway. You're going to eat. They recognized him. They could touch him. You remember when he told Mary, let go of me? 
you're grasping me. She's holding on. And he said, let go. Let go. I got to go back to my father. And she didn't want to let go. He said, let go. There's a real body there. It, it, this isn't Casper. Uh, this isn't some spook. That my hand goes, no. We will have flesh and bone, no blood. No blood in a resurrected body. We'll be animated by the spirit. And this body will be able to eat, to see, to feel, to hear, to sing, to worship. We'll, we'll obviously be doing things for eternity besides just sitting around playing harps. We'll be doing something. I mean, it, it's, I don't know what all it will be. Randy Alcorn's got a book on heaven. It's a great book. You might read that to find out what all we'll be doing in heaven. But Christ was the model. I'm the first fruit. I'm the sample of what it's going to be like. And finally, Christ had to rise again because he's not through doing his work of saving us just by dying, just by being resurrected. He continues to be our intercessor, to be our advocate, to be our shepherd, and to ultimately judge all mankind. That is an awesome thought that we all, we all, we all, I don't care if you believe or not, you will stand before the living God. And I used to think someday I'll come before God, and I had an uh, ethereal view. I, I figured it would be God the Father. There'd be clouds, glory, and huge court. You know what? According to John 5, the Father won't judge any of us. He's going to let his son do it. And his son will show his body. He'll show the wounds that he chose to retain. So you won't have to keep your wounds when you get a glorified body. You won't have to keep all those warts and that half-sawn-off ear. No, he's going to make you whole. But Christ chose to retain the marks of his love for us. And he says, I will judge all men. I will judge the saints for the works they've done, not their sins. Why will he not judge us for our sins? Because he said we took care of that at the cross for the believer. But those who have never accepted the work of Christ, he will sentence you according to your sins and according to your rejection, and thus your sentence for eternity will be from the one you refuse to accept. You need to ask yourself, what do you say if you get a terminal diagnosis? I prayed with a man today in this service. He said, pray with me. My cousin has been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer, has less than four months to live. I said, how old is he? 44. You're going to die. I'm going to die. It's appointed unto all of us to die. Do you have any hope beyond the grave? If you, the time to believe is now. You just got to say, I need a great Savior. I want hope. I want hope. I want to be happy in this life. Did you know God wants you to be happy? Even the Christians got to pray about that statement. I said, God wants you to be happy. 
It's God's will. God's happy. He's the blessed God. And blessed can be translated happy. The Sermon on the Mount, blessed is the man that. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man. Happy. Christians ought to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. We ought to be because we know a happy God, and he's made us happy by forgiving us and making us his child. And guess what? Without being too cocky, it's appointed to me to die, and I'm not trying to rush it. But the death that we face as believers has no terror because Christ says, I'll put you to sleep and take you to heaven, and someday the trump is going to sound so loud and Christ himself will descend and he's going to say to every believer's body, come out of the grave, come out of the grave, let's go home. I've been preparing a place. Today, if you came here without Christ, it doesn't take a long transaction. Sometimes we refer to the ABCs. Admit you're a sinner. Admit you need a Savior. Maybe admit you're not happy. Admit you need Christ. Believe on him. And believing is simply, I will rely on him to save me, cleanse me from all my sins, do the work in me. I can't save myself. If I can save myself, I don't need a Savior. I need someone outside of me to save me. Believing. And then, once you believe you've really done that in your heart, as soon as you can, confess it. Tell others. I think Damien, a few weeks back, gave us testimony on Sunday night. I want to tell everybody that God looked up a little hoodlum in Pinole and came into his heart. Welcome to the club, son. Welcome to the club.